Blog Talk Radio. Glamour Fearless, Diva Talk Radio. Tonight's featured guest, Kim Boykin, the author of the fabulous book, The Wisdom of Hair, my good friend, Chef Robert Lewis, The Happy Diabetic, and I'm your host, Mr. Divabetic. And I want to inspire you tonight to don't get down, get diva for the next 45 minutes as we talk about Judy Garland, hair do's and don'ts, and get the scoop on three delicious recipes to keep you happy and healthy all summer long. Now, before we get things started, I'd like to spread the power of love because Luther Vandross, um, my former boss and friend and mentor, was the one who inspired me to create Divabetic, which is uh, the word diabetic with a V for Vandross. And in his honor, we love to do diabetes outreach in an entertaining, educational way. And unfortunately, in the month of June, we lost one of um, our Diva Better Club members in Philadelphia, Mr. Malcolm. And so I wanted to salute him now by telling you a little bit more about him. As you know, at Diva Better, the men are few and far between at many of our outreach events. So it takes a man amongst men to see past the boa and the glitters and to truly embrace our dazzling form of diabetes educational outreach. Malcolm Drummer, fondly known as Mr. Malcolm, was just that. He was a self-taught hoofer from northern Philadelphia. As a boy, he cut off the lids of cans, can you believe this, nailed them to his shoes, and tapped for coins on the sidewalks across City Hall. His dancing took him to New York City, where he performed in musicals like Hello, Dolly, and also worked as an extra in soap operas. Hollywood soon called, and Mr. Malcolm found himself working as a stuntman in movies all during the 80s. Mr. Malcolm took time to openly share his story with the Divabetic Club and shared that he initially didn't take his diabetes diagnosis seriously and often told us why that was such a big mistake. Thanks to the team at Thomas Jefferson University Hospital, including Neva White, who's the leader of the Divabetic Club, Mr. Malcolm learned how to accept his diagnosis, rebuild his life, and willingly shared his story with men and women alike to inspire others to keep their house a home and prevent diabetes complications from occurring. I'd like to salute Mr. Malcolm now for transforming his diabetes, as he said in his own words, and transforming our work at Divabetic with his kindness, support, and enthusiasm for our Diva brand of diabetes outreach. He will be fondly missed, and in his honor, we're going to play Dance With My Father for a few seconds. If I could get another Another walk, another dance with him. I'd play a song that would never, ever end. How I'd love, love, love 
Diabetes Outreach by donating to Divabetic today at divabetic.org. Your tax-deductible contributions are greatly appreciated. Now, if you find yourself watching others swim while you sit on the edge of the pool, I want to help you make this the summer you actually get into the pool. Here's my Mr. Divabetic advice for June. If you're hating the idea of putting on a swimsuit or struggling with how to jumpstart a new fitness routine, I'd like to recommend... Signing up for a 5K run like I did. I'm running my first race this weekend in Central Park, and trust me, it's working. I've been training for almost two months, and I feel so good that I can't wait to put on my swim trucks and head out to the Jersey Shore. So whether your goal is personal fitness, a sense of community, or a sense of accomplishment, a 5K community run is a great way to overcome a fitness plateau. A 3.1-mile race, that's all it is, everybody, but it's a perfect length to aim for if you're a beginner. Begin with setting attainable goals to keep you motivated and give yourself ample time to move to the next level. If you train correctly and follow a good 8- to 10-week training program, running can lead to a lifetime of fitness. Remember to check with your doctor before you engage in any new fitness routine like I did to check out what's right for you. Now, do you have a favorite fitness tip or health tip you want to share with us to help us all stay happy and healthy this summer? Why not post it on the Divabetic Facebook page? I'll be mentioning your tips as well as some of our educators on our July Diabetes Roundtable podcast scheduled for Tuesday, July 9th, when we'll also be saluting Esther Williams. So excited about that show. Now, before you run off to the refrigerator to grab a snack... You might want to tune into this little piece of information uh, and find out what the top three foods were on Shape Magazine's Seven Foods a Nutritionist Would Never Eat. Here's the list. Okay, let's see. i got a drum roll for number three. I was kind of shocked when I saw this. All right, number three is rice cake. I'm sure a lot of people are, are clapping right now. According to Shape Magazine, rice cakes are bad for weight loss and for your health because rice cakes have a very high glycemic index rating that will send your blood sugar soaring. Are you ready for number two? On the Shape Magazine, seven foods that nutritionists will not eat. Number two is fat-free salad dressings. Shape Magazine found that fat-free salad dressing contains sugar and high fructose corn syrup, as well as a lot of unpronounceable ingredients used to make the unnatural seem natural. Doesn't sound too good when you think about it that way, does it, everybody? And number one is sugar-sweetened beverages. That's the term we like to use to describe sodas, sweet teas, and fruit juices, which contain empty calories. Drinking sugar-sweetened beverages can contribute to obesity as well as diabetes, tooth decay, and weakened bones. Estimates show that two cans or glasses of soda per day can add approximately 24 to 35 pounds of fat to your body per year, depending on your body size, age, and habit. I think it's time to kick the can, everybody. What's the good news, you might be asking? I'm scratching my head right here. But um, the truth is, if you just cut down from two sodas per day to one can, you could lose almost 16 pounds in a year without changing anything else in your diet. 
Want to see how much sugar is in some of your favorite beverages? Guess what? You could tune into my newest video filmed at the Mermaid Parade in Coney Island this past weekend. We had such a great time meeting everyone for that fabulous event. Our Serve, Taste, or Trash game uh, featured a two-pack of Pop-Tarts, a king-size Butterfinger candy bar, and a 12-ounce can of Tropicana Cranberry Cocktail Juice. Tune in to see if anyone at the Mermaid Parade, Merman or Mermaid, can correct, uh, correctly identify which item contained almost twice as much added sugar as another one of those items. The results might surprise you. I know they surprised a lot of people at the parade. Now, in the spirit of some of my favorite Southern Diva authors, such as Harper Lee, author of To Kill a Mockingbird, Toni Morrison, author of Beloved, and Alice Walker, the author of The Color Purple, I would like to welcome my first guest to the show. She's the author of one of my favorite, favorite summer reads, The Wisdom of Hair. Please welcome, ladies and gentlemen, author Kim Boykin. Hello, Kim. Hey, y'all. Hey, Hey, y'all. You're you're from uh, North Carolina, right? Yeah, actually, I'm from South Carolina, but I'm just, but I, I they kicked me out, so now I'm in North Carolina. You know, can we love South Carolina because that's where Mama Rose Marie's from. She always uh, participates on our monthly shows, Diabetes Roundtable. So we love the South. <laughs> oh, amen. <laughs> I, I'm a huge uh, fan. You already you had me from Hello, as they said in Jerry Maguire, because you did such a wonderful thing. You sent um, several of your copies of the book, The Wisdom of Hair along with a beautiful package beauty, with beauty products and things to the Diva Beta Club in Philadelphia, and we awarded it to two of our listeners, I mean two of our members uh, this past month, and they really loved it. So I just wanted to thank you so much for um, sharing those prizes with us. Oh, you are most welcome. I'm always glad to spread the gospel, the wisdom of hair, and, 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 and um, just uh, really appreciate the opportunity. Now, you're um, not only, you know, I think you're a diva inspiration and you're our diva inspiration tonight, not only because you're so generous, but also because, like so many people out there uh, who consider themselves late bloomers, this is your first book. I read somewhere where you started writing your first novel when your kids were five and two, and 20 years later, you just published your first novel, The Wisdom of Hair. And I was wondering if you could just kind of describe that journey because so many of us want to write a book and just are afraid or have fears. I wonder how you kind of went along on your journey. Right. And and you know something, Max? Today now is one of the best times to be a writer because there's so many great opportunities for for someone who's even just been thinking about writing down their story. But I started, um, I was a stay-at-home mom, and I needed something that was just mine. And I and I got the storytelling bug from my grandfather, uh, and um, and he was not a writer. He was a, he he was an oral storyteller. But um, I started telling, uh, I started writing, and I realized, um, you know, it's it's it, first of all, it's not that difficult. People can think about oh, writing a book. It's not that difficult, but it's something that you have to stay with. It's much like, uh, I guess it's much like uh, your diabetics have to stay with the, with their health. And and, uh, and and it's just something you have to keep at. And um, I, I did keep at it uh, through a lot of ups and downs and, um, and a dead literary agent. 
But eventually, uh, I stayed with it, and I sold the book, and it came out in March. Well, I mean, that is so exciting. I have to give you some applause. (laughs) And I actually saw you at the South Carolina book fair where I I saw you speaking with a bunch of um, female Southern writers. There were two other women there. And what really captured me was you were talking about your book, The Wisdom of Hair, Everyone, which is available on Amazon.com. We should say that right now. And uh, you spoke about... um, we're going to talk about the main character but, uh, in a little while, but the, the, you spoke about one character uh, and that she was plus-sized. And you described how she really, and for those who are going to read the book, that character really, um, I think, has it all. You know, she has an amazing life, and it seems like her size doesn't really get in the way. And, you know, at Diva Bedic, we're always saying glam more, fear less, feel good about yourself in order to improve your health. And I just love the way you championed that because I remember at the book fair when you were speaking, you were talking a little bit about how your editors kind of had a problem with a heroine being plus size. <laughs> yes, that was um, that kind of shocked me because initially uh, the character you're talking about is Sarah Jane Farquhar, and uh, Sarah Jane in my mind was about well, I think initially the line said. She was eighty or not. She she was eighty or ninety pounds overweight, but she was so beautiful you didn't realize that. Um, and um, so when I got my first round of edits back, my uh, editor, who's about the size of a number two pencil, um, said, uh, "Oh, can we make her twenty or thirty pounds? Because uh, that's really obese." And and I was like, "Lise." <laughs> I'm I'm 40 pounds overweight. No, she's big and she's beautiful. She's like a drop dead gorgeous Melissa McCarthy. And so we negotiated, and and I feel sort of bad because I settled for 50 or 60 pounds. But that's not what Sarah Jane Farquhar is. Sarah Jane, Sarah Jane transcends her size, like most big beautiful divas do. No, I agree. And I, you know, like there's so much talk today, and all the health headline, headlines we're hearing about how. Uh, Obesity has now been declared a disease, and, you know, the dialogue is changing rapidly. But I I find that there's so few and far between uh, heroines who are plus size that I really applaud you again for doing that because I I think it is important for people to see that there are a lot of um, men as well as women, women as well as men, I should have said, who are uh, larger size, who have full active lives, who fall in love and, and experience all the wonderful things that life could bring them. Yes, exactly, and I think that I think Sarah Jane just brings that uh, so to light, and and the fact that the thing I love most about her, and I think one of the things that helps her maybe not even realize uh, uh, that the world maybe has a different opinion of her is she's so strong inside of herself, and and when someone is that strong inside themselves, they sort of exude that and 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 help other people as well. Now, did you have someone in mind when you wrote that character? Actually, yes. Uh, when I was a little girl, uh, a friend of my mom's, her name was Vaughn Hannah, uh, she uh, used to come to our house, and she was, Miss Vaughn was probably 80 or 90 pounds overweight, like Sarah Jane was supposed to be, but she was gorgeous, and she had a blonde, her, she always wore her hair in this wonderful blonde French twist and full makeup and great clothes. And she would come over to our house, and I was about five, and she would let me brush out her hair 
and and put Merle Norman cold cream on her and take her makeup off and play beauty shop with her. And I just adored her and I never thought about I never thought about how that Miss Miss Vaughn was I never thought of her labeled her as big. She was just beautiful. I love it. We should tell everyone that the inspiration for this book was seeing customers at your actual mother's beauty salon. And uh, I wanted to know, like, um, and I read a lot about you, but where where did this concept come up about changing your hair to change your lives? You know, um, it was funny when when I I went to a conference in New York to sell the book, and uh, and I met with some editors, and an editor said initially the title of the book was called Separate Ways, and um, she said, well, yeah, but what's the what's the book really about? And I said. Well, you know, it's about the wisdom of hair. Women change their hair to change their lives. And uh, she said, that's your title. And basically I learned that in my mom's, hanging out in my mom's beauty salon. Uh, She had a little beauty shop in a tiny little town. And I saw women come in who were just dog-tired or sad or, or, or happy or 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 whatever. But whatever they were, my mom made them feel beautiful and and they left feeling better and when you think about stylists how often does someone in your life ask you what you want and then actually give it to you in an hour no you're right and i mean we that's the same philosophy we use at divabetic i have seen countless women on our make over your diabetes tours uh outreach programs um you know, they sit in a makeup chair or they get a self-pampering service like a, a safe manicure or hairstyling like you referred to. And it really yeah. is like change your life. I mean, change your hair, change your life, change your attitude about your health. I've seen women who are burned out, bummed out, discouraged about their diabetes kind of get out of that chair and have a sense of renewal and confidence and, uh, you know, really begin to really want to do the work to understand their diagnosis, learn how to accept it, and move forward. And, I, you know, so I really, when I was reading the book, I just found such a strong parallel with what you were doing and what we're doing at DivaBetic that it's so much fun to have you on the show and let people know about the book. Thanks, Max. I appreciate that. Now, um, I have to say, though, I'm a bald man, so this is a little tricky for me tonight. <laughs> That's okay. My husband is, too. <laughs> <laughs> But I really love this line in the book, and and uh, we're gonna uh, we're talking to Kim Boykin, everyone, the author of Wisdom of Hair. Um, all right, so in the book you have the problem with cutting your own hair is that once you start, you keep cutting, trying to fix it, and the truth is some things can never be fixed. Okay, I feel I've read the book, everyone. I feel like this line uh, really applies to your characters because some of the characters in this book, Kim, are busted, in my own opinion. In fact, <laughs> Dora's mother is a train wreck, and you brought you brought her whole story to life by referencing Judy Garland, which I thought was hysterical, but also very poignant. How on earth did you come up with this concept of uh, describing Zora's mother? Using Judy Garland, I just thought that was so unbelievable and and fascinating. You know, it was it was kind of funny. Um, initially, uh, that was not how Mama was, uh, and um, I knew she she was she was really sick. I didn't know exactly what was wrong with her, and the more I thought about it, the more she sounded like a narcissist. So that sort of fit. And um, I was at a retreat up in the mountains. I was working on the book before I sold it. And, and I knew there was something special about 
Mama. And the way I write, I don't outline things and, and um, I don't have any complicated process. I hear voices in my head, and, and basically I'm just kind of like a glorified stenographer. <laughs> so um, they, I started hearing Mama's voice, and I started seeing this woman uh, who was too tall to be Judy Garland, who was trying so hard to fit into that little tiny body and was trying to be some, so desperately to be somebody else. And I think that that's one of the reasons Mama was so miserable in the book was because she did want to be somebody else, because she wasn't happy uh, with herself, and and even later on in the book, when she when she seems to be okay, she can't stay that way, and and um and 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 that to me was really sad. It was really sad. I mean, there, so many of these characters are so layered. So uh, let's give everyone uh, a brief description of the book. I I just want to say before you do, Kim, I I if you're if you love to read like I do. I just found that this book it's like three thumbs up because I just I flew right through it. This is a great summer read for I know we're all gonna go away for July fourth weekend, barbecue with friends and things like that. This is a perfect book to pick up and I and I uh you know, um it's a charming story, so can you just give everyone like a little bit of a description of the story? Absolutely. Um, this, uh, the Wisdom of Hair is the story of Zora Adams. She's a young woman. She lives in the mountains uh, with her mother uh, in an isolated area. And, uh, and as I said uh, before, her mom's a little crazy. And Zora's the only one left there to take care of her. And like so many caretakers, they, uh, Zora has uh, forgotten about herself. And um, so uh, she has a last straw moment, which a lot of us have, and uh, Zora decides to, to change her life, and she uh, decides to leave the mountain. Uh, she goes to um, about 300 miles away to a little town uh, near Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and uh, she goes to beauty school. Um, and there, for the first time in her life, she has real friends, and her very first best friend, Sarah Jane, and um, she does have a romance with the wrong guy, but she meets all these wonderful women in her life who help her sort things out. Were you thinking that the love interest was like Johnny Depp? <laughs> oh, honey, I always picture Ryan Gosling always. Oh, okay. Always. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> well, because I read somewhere, I, I mean, I knew you had to have some of these characters because I, uh, in your head of famous movie stars because I read somewhere where you felt like this book was really, um, if it were a movie, it would be Steel Magnolias, which, of course, is one of our favorite movies at Divabetic for obvious reasons. Oh, of course. I'm wondering, though, um, do you have, uh, are, you re- are you affected by diabetes in any way, Kim? You know what? Uh, actually, my in-laws, uh, both of my in-laws uh, uh, have diabetes, and my husband is borderline diabetic, so... Um, two years ago, he went to his uh, cardiologist slash internist, and uh, he got a wake up call. and he, And the doctor said, "You know, you're borderline. You need to change your life, exercise more, watch what you eat." And so, um, Mike's done that, and I'm really proud of him. His numbers have changed, and um, he, he's not always in control all the time, but. But for the most part, he stays at it, and and we and both of us actually, I've sort of jumped on the bandwagon with him because it's so much easier to do, um, uh, to do this with someone else. It's it's uh, sometimes it's hard to go it alone, which is the beauty of diabetics is that you don't have to do it uh, alone. 
And um, so, yeah, uh, it's it's sort of a it is a cause near and dear to my heart. All right. Well, we are so thankful to have you on the show. But you know, Diva Betty Kim is all about games, and I'm known as the Bob Barker of Outreach. <laughs> so I have a few games for you. Are you ready? Absolutely. I have to do a little music. <laughs> That's about as much time as it takes me to turn to put on my fruit suit. Okay, so I'm in my fruit suit, and I thought we'd play my first game tonight with you. is called Hair, Do's, and Don'ts. Kim, I'm going to read aloud some questions referencing hair and hairstyling for you to answer and test your wisdom and test your wisdom of hair. Are you ready? Okay. Okay. Your first question is true or false. True or false? Can rubbing a dryer sheet on your head tame flyaway hair? Yes. Yes, the answer is true. <laughs> it's kind of funny, though, isn't it? Because the truth is, like, clothes, hair is static electricity when it develops a positive charge. This makes the hair repel, fly away from one another. Fabric softener, dryer sheets temporarily change uh, change the charge in your hair, and that's why it works. It's kind of incredible, right? Cool. Have you ever done it? No, I have not, but I've heard but I've heard of it being done. All right, here's your second question. Which one of these beauty tips won't help give thin or fine hair a good lift? Is it number one, washing your hair right before styling it? Number two, getting a short layered haircut? Or number three, applying hairspray to upside down hair? Your answer is? Uh, the first one. <laughs> Hold on. You're right again. The answer is number one. Washing hair right before styling. Oh, uh, styling, it actually does help. There's something about that. They said Selma Hayek, Johnny Depp, every one of these people recommend doing that. And have and uh, and it really does help fine or limp hair hold a cut. The layered, uh, a layered haircut could also help, but they recommend that uh, it's a better to just kind of style it, wash it right before you style it. So there you go. Third question, true or false? Putting your hair back can pulling your hair back can thin your out your hairline. Oh, I hope not. I fall. Oh, I don't have the right answer. I'm just gonna have to give you the raspberry myself. It's actually true. Regular regularly wearing your hair in braids, weaves, tight ponytails, or cornrows can put too much stress on your hair around your hairline. That's why it's important to alternate hairstyles. You cl- use clips instead of rubber bands for less pull. Cut fringe bangs to give your hair hairline a rest, and that's how you could avoid going bald like your husband and I can. Although I, I never had cornrows, I can't speak for him. I, well, I just took my ponytail down, so we're good. <laughs> All right, here's your final question: Which one of these beauty remedies works better to camouflage a few strands of gray? Is it A, applying highlights, or is it B, applying low lights? Hmm. Highlights. You're right. Highlights camouflage hair and there silver strands in blonde to medium brown hair. If you have a lot of gray or your hair is dark, highlights can also tone down the contrast. The highlights leave the gray as it, as it, um, the highlights leave the gray in as it's lightening the dark. Hair will have a more of a better tone overall. So good job. I think you proved everyone you have the wisdom of hair. I hope so. <laughs> now, I know you also like to cook, correct? Oh, yes. 
Well, then straight ahead, everybody. It's time to welcome our second guest to the show tonight. This is my good friend, (laughs) Chef Robert Lewis, the happy diabetic. Please welcome Chef Robert Lewis. Hello, Chef Robert. Hey, Max, how are you? Better now that you're here. It's always so much fun to have you on the podcast. It's also fun to work with you at Taking Control of Your Diabetes Conferences around the country. And I know you've got a pretty packed calendar because in just, what, 48 hours, you're going to be doing a live demo online, a cooking demonstration? Yeah, we're um, partnering up with 2diabetes.org, and we're doing a live interview and cooking demo. Um, I've got a great host, Emily. Um, It'll be live from the Happy Diabetic Kitchen, and uh, it's just going to be a great time. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to cook three dishes, take some questions and answers. There's a live chat room you can sign up to be part of. It's pretty awesome. It sounds like a great time. And tell everyone, once again, the website they go to for that. 2diabetes.org, and that's T-U-D-I-A-B-E-T-E-S.org. Well, I know Kim lives down in North Carolina, and you know I live in New York City, but we have a lot in common right now because the produce aisles at our favorite grocery stores and farmer's markets are piled high with produce. But I don't know how you are about this, Kim. I get kind of confused. Well, how how to tell how some of the most popular fruits are ripe enough for me to purchase? Can you help me out, Chef Robert? I definitely can. I'm going to take the mystery out of it for you right now. Are you ready? I am. All right, here it is. It's all about the smell. I mean, really, for the most part, when you're looking for great fresh produce, let your nose tell you that it's going to be delicious. I mean, it's really the best way. When you pick up a cantaloupe and you just, and if it feels heavier than it looks and it has that kind of, you know, musky and sweet smell, it's really ready to go. It's, it's no more complicated than that. Same with a pineapple. It should be firm and not mushy, um, but again, smell it, and it should be really nice and and sweet smelling. If you don't smell anything, it's definitely not ready. And for a pineapple, if the leaves come out of the of the top of the pineapple really easily, it's ripe. If you got to pull hard, it's probably not ripe. Wow, and I also heard that if it's if it feels heavier, like a melon feels heavier, right. that means it's riper too. Is that true? If I'm yeah, holding it's two very melons, true. I, I like to think of it. It feels heavier than it looks, because what happens is, is it gets riper, the juices extract, and it just becomes heavier. Yeah. Okay. So now strawberries t- are the same way, Max. I mean, again, let your let your nose be the true connoisseur. Uh, again, they should smell really great and fresh and smell like a really good strawberry. Um, size or shape isn't a determination of how the strawberry will taste. Again, I like to go to the smell, and I like to look for a really nice red berry. Uh, one that has a whiter top may have been picked too green. What do you do if you pick something that's unripe, like a melon? You know, that's a great question. The, the best thing that you could do to get food Right. First of all, don't put it in your refrigerator. What you should do is either take it out, leave it on your countertop, or put it in a brown paper bag and let that oxygen kind of recirculate, and that will help things ripen very quickly. 
So you mean if I take a melon and I cut it in half and I find out it's not ripe, I take the un I take uncut half and I mean I take the cut half and put it in a brown paper bag and let it sit out on the countertop. And you know, Max, it. that's a great question. I, I think once you cut it, you're you're committed. Yeah. <laughs> in more ways than one. Right? In more ways than one, right? Well, the other thing that I have a problem with, I don't know about you, Kim. Have you ever bought a mango and tried to cut up a mango? I did it today, and it was like a homicide in, in my kitchen. The seed is so weird. Yeah, the seed is almost like a hockey puck. It's not <laughs> round. And so if you were to take your knife and try to cut from the top of the mango down, you're in deep trouble. So really what you have to do is kind of go over about a quarter of an inch, and you'll slice cleanly through on each side. And then what I like to do is once I have that one portion of the mango clean, I take a knife and I score the, the mango from top to bottom. Um, and then if you just turn it inside out, all, the, all that meat will just be exposed. And then you can just either, with a, depending on how ripe it is, um, with a spoon, just kind of scoop it out or with a knife, cut it out. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, and, and Max, on my blog, I put all that information up there today so you can kind of see a picture of a mango turned inside out. Um, and my blog is at my website, happydiabetic.com. Just go to the bottom of the screen, click on the blog link, and it will take you right to it. All right, well, that's a lot better than what I was doing, which was wishing and hoping that they were going to make a seedless mango <laughs> like they did seedless grapes. I don't think that will ever happen. <laughs> They should, though. I knew a lot of people would buy it. I'd be the first one. I mean, I'm like Kim. It's, it's like, it's so big. It's just kind of, you're kind of, then you, if you cut it and you try to hold on to it, it's slippery. And it's just like, if you try to peel it, you're just, you don't know what to do with it. It doesn't look, it's not attractive. Be, sometimes mangoes can be kind of stringy also. Um, you know, so, you know, I like to buy mangoes that are grown in Hawaii. If you can find those they're going to be the best, but they're very difficult to find. So you're going to buy something that probably comes from South America, um, but they can be good. Again, don't refrigerate it. They won't ripen in the refrigerator. Again, let your smell be the guide, sweet smell. Um, you know, you can even check the stem end of the mango. It should smell even stronger there. Great. Well, Kim, I hope you were listening intently because we're getting ready to play our second game tonight. You're already an accomplished author, which is what most people dream of doing. Now we're going to challenge you to see how good you are in the kitchen by playing our game, Serve, Taste, or Try. too much jamming to that song right now. And, and hey, Max, do you think <laughs> yep. Kim should get a prize if she gets it right? What, do you want to give her a cookbook? <laughs> yeah, I think I'd like to give her a set oh, of I my two best-selling cookbooks. All right, oh, I love that. That's a spontaneous. Let's give you a round you. of applause, Chef Robert. Wow. Oh, yeah. that's so much love, so that. But will she get it right? Uh, I feel it. <laughs> that's what we're going to be asking. All right, here's how the game works. I'm going to list three fruits and vegetables, Kim, and you have to tell us which one you would serve to me, which one you would taste for yourself, and which one you would like to trash. The choices of tonight's serve, taste, or trash game are 
green tomatoes, asparagus, and purple cauliflower. Uh, let's see. Which one would you serve to choose to me? Uh, I would probably, let's see, asparagus, cauliflower, or what? Green tomatoes. Purple green cauliflower, tomatoes. asparagus, and Ooh. green tomatoes. Uh, I think I'd keep the green tomato, uh, or I'd, uh, no, I'd serve the uh, asparagus. How would you um, like to I'd, serve me the asparagus? Oh, uh, you know, I just like to um, uh, to put it in a skillet and just uh, uh, just just over it with a little bit of olive oil and and a, and some lemon juice and and just really clean and that's how I would serve it. Oh, I think that sounds uh, delicious. Now, which uh, one of the other two are you going to taste? The purple cauliflower uh, will, or the green tomato? Uh, not a big cauliflower fan, so I would probably trash the cauliflower. But I love uh, fried, uh, I love to, uh, green tomatoes, and I probably do like a, a semi, like a healthy fried green tomato, just uh, uh, no breading, little olive oil, lots of spices, maybe some herbs, and uh, and serve it up like that. Wow, good answers. Chef Robert Lewis, I have to say, though, Kim said she wasn't a cauliflower lover. So now, Kim, guess what? We're going to let Chef Robert Lewis, we're going to set him loose in the kitchen <laughs> and hear if he could sway your opinions on what you were going to serve, taste, or trash with three of his healthy and delicious recipes. Okay, Chef Robert Lewis, what do you want to share with us? Well, listen, let's since... Cauliflower kind of got a bad rap. Let's start there first. So I'm all about the roasting of vegetables. So let's just chat about that. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take my purple cauliflower. I'm going to slice it almost steak-like, or you can break it up in florets. I'm going to take a sliced bell pepper, some nice organic spring onions, some cloves of, some cloves of fresh garlic, some ginger, some dried red pepper just to give it a little bit of some heat, and a little bit of olive oil. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to mix it all up together, raw. I've got my oven at 450 degrees, 425 degrees. I'm going to put a sheet pan out with a little aluminum foil, put that vegetable mixture on the pan in the oven for about 50 minutes, and here's what's going to happen, something amazing is going to happen. The cauliflower will get all roasty and kind of charred a little bit and toasty and a little bit of olive oil goes a long way with all those great items. It's just a beautiful way to eat a fresh vegetable like that. Sounds did change, amazing. Would, did you change your mind about purple cauliflower? Yes, I would change my mind about purple cauliflower. Where can I get the recipe? Wow, that is a great question. It's going to be on my blog. Yay! Now, I was, a, I was kind of questioning the green tomatoes, uh, Chef Robert. What would you do with green tomatoes? Okay, when, when, when you think of green tomatoes, and I used to live in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. So oh. when you think of green tomatoes, people love to fry them, bread them, very traditional. So here's what I'm going to, I'm going to do. I'm going to make a very classic um, dish, and here it goes. And if you can guess what this dish is as I, as I get it, let, let's just have some fun. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to slice the green tomatoes, right? And I'm going to actually grill them on a medium-high heat grill, I'm going to put a little olive oil and just grill them. But what I'm going to do first is I'm going to take olive oil, balsamic vinegar, garlic, 
a little brown sugar and salt, and make kind of a marinade. So in go the green tomatoes for about a half hour, 45 minutes, and then I'm going to grill them on the grill, right? So after I've got the tomatoes grilled, I've got a package of sliced fresh mozzarella cheese, a little fresh basil, a little kosher salt, and, and fresh ground pepper, and I'm going to build kind of a grilled green tomato carpaccio salad. Uh, so very typically nice. done with red tomatoes, I'm going to marinate these green tomatoes and grill them and make my salad with mozzarella cheese and fresh basil, a little bit of olive oil, and wow. Can you feel the love on that one? Uh, Kim, are you feeling it? Wonderful. Yeah, that sounds delicious. And now we're bo- we both seem- Kim and I both seem to love asparagus. What would you do with asparagus? You know, I love asparagus, and this is asparagus time right now. And I like them big and thick because when you cook them, the big thick ones, they're just really juicy. They aren't tougher, but they're juicier is what I like it. So I'm going to do something very simple, very clean, just like Kim said. I'm going to take asparagus. I'm going to trim them up in a, in a, in a big bowl with one tablespoon of olive oil. So I've got about two pounds of asparagus with one tablespoon of olive oil, so not a lot of oil. A little kosher salt, fresh ground pepper. I'm going to mix it up really good. Again, on a sheet pan, baking sheet pan lined with a foil, 425 degrees. Ten to 15 minutes later, roasty, caramely, really delicious. And Oh, my gosh. You'll know they're done because you can pierce them with a knife. And then when they're all done, I'll put them on a nice little platter and top with some low-fat feta cheese and fresh lemon juice. Oh, gosh. I haven't <laughs> eaten yet. I'm starved now. <laughs> Have you ever had purple cauliflower, though, Kim? Uh, you know what? I, I haven't, but I have eaten a lot. I have made a lot of the cauliflower mashed potatoes. That's really my only, uh, and that's probably not the best way to eat it, all boiled and smushed to death. But you know what, so. Kim, that really is a good way because – what that does is people, that, especially me who are diabetic, who knows that potato is pure candy, when I can I make I call a, it white death. Yeah, when I can make a mashed cauliflower that gives me that potato craving, it, it's just really great. Oh, yeah, I love them. I, I do, but, I, but the way you were going to prepare it sounded really wonderful. Oh, it looks like Chef Robert swayed Kim's opinion. I love it. We're all going to have to try those recipes. But, Kim, the game's not over because we're glad you were listening to Chef Robert Lewis's recipes. And now that we know that your husband is living with prediabetes, we're going to test your food IQ and ask you to to trash the recipe that you think contains the most carbohydrates of the three. Which one do you think it was? It was either you had the choice. Chef Robert, just tell us the titles of the recipes again. Okay. Um... We have, hold on, let me just get to my notes here, Max. Sorry, I got excited. Uh, we have the um, green, uh, grilled green tomatoes, and we have the roasted asparagus and the roasted purple cauliflower. And, Kim, you're playing tonight for Chef Robert Lewis's cookbook? Oh, which one had the cheese? It was the uh, tomatoes, wasn't it? Had the uh, cheese? It was the asparagus. Yeah. Uh, it was the asparagus. Well, and, and, you... and, and the green tomatoes did have mozzarella. Oh. The asparagus had the feta cheese. Yeah, I think I, I think that the one with the mozzarella. Chef yeah. Robert but, Lewis, which do you want one? to phone a friend? I do I want to phone a friend. <laughs> yes, I, I, I know this, I know this chef.
Jeff. His name is Robert. Can I phone him? <laughs> you can. Thank you. Maybe you should try another one. Uh, oh, gosh. The asparagus. Well, here's the deal. The actual <laughs> recipe with the lowest carbohydrates was the oh, green the tomatoes. Oh, no, we said the most the carbohydrates. Oh, the most carbohydrates. Oh, Max, see how I, I messed up your deal. So, yes, the most carbohydrates was the asparagus. Yay, yeah. she got it. it. Was it the asparagus or the, or the, or the side green tomatoes? Uh, uh, yes, the asparagus. Yeah, the tomatoes. The tomatoes had the lowest carbohydrate. Seriously? I guess everyone walks away a winner. Well, that's how it happens at Diva Bedek all the time, everybody. Yeah. So, Kim, for saying, for saying the green tomatoes, but thinking the asparagus, you're going to win the cookbook from Chef Robert. Hey. Happy diabetic Thank tonight. you so much. And, and you know, I got to tell you, it was kind of a trick, because here's the deal: um, the the portion size really has a lot to do with healthy eating if you're diabetic. And the green tomato recipe that I put together makes about eight to ten servings, right? Ah. So that makes it a very manageable portion. The roasted asparagus is about two pounds, and I put that for about four people, which cooks up, you know, cranks up the the carbs a little bit. But they're all very healthy. They're all really lower in carbohydrates, so they're all super, super healthy. Again, you know, it, for everyone out there who wants to eat healthy and who's diabetic, it's my silver bullet for me is really all about portion size. That That's really the key. That's great advice. Now, you know, it's all about um, – he just gave us some advice about recipes, but summer is all about reads. Kim, I'm wondering, do you have any favorite books you're looking forward to reading this summer? Oh, yes. Um Actually, I do. Uh, there's a wonder. There are several wonderful books. Um the Lake House by Marcy McNault is a great book uh, that I'm looking forward to reading. Uh, I have an August 1st deadline for my new book, so I have a stack, uh, and this is my stack. Uh, the Summer Girls by Mary Alice Monroe, a wonderful author. Um, Patty Callahan Henry's And Then I Found You, and of course, Brenda Novak. If, if there are any romance uh, readers out there, uh, Brenda Novak, who is a champion for uh uh, for diabetes research, her new book, um, Home to Whiskey Creek, comes out in June. So I'm very excited about that. And she's and actually going to be our sh- she's going to be on our July Diabetes Roundtable show to talk about all the amazing outreach work she does for uh, diabetes and how much money she's been able to raise over the years with her online auction for the Diabetes Research Institute. Well, she's guess amazing. what, everybody? We're running out of time. Chef Robert Lewis, tell everyone again. Uh, night, 48 hours from now, you're going to be live online with Emily, who was a guest also on one of our past um, Diabetes Roundtable shows. Tell us again how we can find out about your show. Okay, Max, to diabetes.org. It'll, it'll, live, it'll be live um, 1 to 2 p.m. Pacific time. So check your time zone. Go to the website. Click on the event link. You don't have to join 2Diabetes, but if you want to get into the chat room, it's a free deal. Just join up. Email, little information, and you're in the chat room. Totally awesome. And, Kim, the novel is The Wisdom of Hair. How can people get it? Great read, everyone. 
Oh, thank you, Max. Uh, yes, just go to Amazon.com, uh, and you can get it in a book or Kindle. It's also available on iTunes, or if you have a Nook, if you're a Barnes & Noble uh, person, uh, it's available on Nook as well. All right, I'd like to thank both of my guests, Kim Boykin and Chef Robert Lewis, for joining me tonight to help you laugh a little and learn a lot. Get insp- inspired. At Div- I enjoy DivaBetics Facebook pages and check out all my videos on Mr. Div- DivaBetics YouTube channel. Remember, every diva and every dude has an entourage, and I'm so glad to be part of yours. Let's get happy and stay healthy together. Thanks, everybody, for listening. <laughs> <laughs>